0: Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. And
1: I'll wait, you, like, your voice sounds very deep in the beginning.
0: I mean... It is, but... It kind of is?
1: Kind of. Hello. <laughs> hey, everyone. I mean, not when you do that. Hey. Or when you sing. Hmm. Yeah, it goes up a little when you sing.
0: Babe, we got our merch up. Guys. <laughs> got our merch up.
1: This has been a fucking ordeal. Um, I'm I'm going to go through, I'm going to tweak a couple things because we've had an issue with shipping costs. Mm-hmm. And then I just had somebody tell me their promo code didn't work.
0: Ooh, not good. So, Great no. start, great start.
1: Yeah. So we're
0: trying to make this as professional as can be, so please cut us some slack.
1: Clearly, I'm not a fucking professional. I don't know shit about shit about computers. Yeah,
0: I know, and you are doing a good job. I gotta give it to you. I tried last
1: night, so it said I could do an app on my phone, and everything would, like, cross over. Mm -hmm. It didn't. So at, like, two in the morning, I'm talking to a representative from GoDaddy to merge the two sites.
0: Yeah.
1: Um... So there's been there's been a few snafus
0: but but it'll get fixed yeah. and people will get their discounts. I was
1: going to say if if for some reason your your discount code doesn't work, I know that it works because we've had an order put in and somebody used it. If for some reason you put an order in and your discount code didn't work, it wouldn't take it, let me know. We I'll I'll compensate you in some way, I'll send you an extra something. Yeah. So um but and the remember- discount
0: Patreons, if you're twenty dollar tier, you get twenty yeah. percent off. Ten dollar tier, ten dollars yep. off. Ten percent. Ten percent. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. And five dollar, do you get five percent? Five percent. It's five
1: percent, ten percent, and twenty percent. And it's pod p o d, and then five or p o d ten or p o d twenty. Okay. Because I had to stupid proof it for me so I would remember, but also to um. Because you you have to upload each individual thing. There's a a set of decals on there. Slide through, there's like nine different designs. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So that's good. And then we got accepted to Red Circle. Yes.
1: Yes. So if you happen to go to Podbean, it will give you the link to Red Circle and it will send you right to Red Circle.
0: Yeah. And now... So within, shortly, yes. we will be having ads. Correct. So um, the bonus too with Patreon is it's ad ad-free. free
1: episodes. Yep. So, all tiers.
0: Yeah, we don't know how many ads are going to be put in. You know, an episode. It, right. It could be a few.
1: It's probably going to be three or four. Usually, it's before, during, and then at the end.
0: Yeah, we had to set all that up Which yesterday.
1: While well, I'm still doing it now. Yeah. Apparently. So.
0: Um, I don't know when that will happen, but it will be soon because mm-hmm. we were accepted to Red Circle. Yeah, so. and
1: it goes back to every episode. Yeah. So just an FYI, there will be ads coming soon. Yeah. So, I mean, we all know they're going to be like HelloFresh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and BetterHelp, which you have to put in your address so they can send you stuff.
0: That's pretty cool. Fuck
1: yes! Send me a therapist in the mail. Yeah, I Down.
0: want one. <laughs> send me some of I them. Hello, one. fresh
1: shakes. Yeah, that's what's up. So yeah, I'm a computer idiot, and I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. So
0: bear with, but yeah, yeah. I I got to give it to you. You you've been on pretty much nonstop the well, past two days. Once
1: she when she merged um, the websites last night, mm. she took away the one that we had established already. Mm -hmm. And made the one that was on my phone primary, Mm. which was just like a shop. So this morning I had to redo the entire website. (laughs) Oh,
0: boy. (laughs) We're trying, though. (sighs) We're getting there. I
1: don't know why he keeps saying we. We.
0: Yeah, you're getting there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm playing like, my new game, The Show 22, Dad. which is fucking amazing.
1: Dude, these video games are insane.
0: Oh, they're so addicting.
1: Well, you can make yourself. Yeah. And it, Do I look like it's me? It's scary. <laughs> but the one, like the wrestling one. Yeah. Holy shit, does it look like you? It's fucking <laughs> weird.
0: I take my time making it's,
1: it. It's like he does. He stares at his own picture on his phone. Mm-hmm. So all
0: right. So I think we got a couple new Patreons, we right? We do,
1: and I have no idea what episode we're on. 53? I think maybe? 53,
0: yeah.
1: <clears throat> okay. So our new Patreons, we have uh Jennifer. Thank you. Terry. Thank you. Cheryl. Thank you. Who I'm glad I'm I think I named these ones already, maybe. Because I, I remember talking about Cheryl. Uh Lisa.
0: Mm-hmm thank you
1: michelle Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Brittany. which Mm -hmm. i am going to make a shirt that says i'm Brittany bitch (laughs) um lee awesome and susan
0: thank you guys so much seriously
1: whose profile picture is an eyeball and it looks really cool but it's slightly creepy (laughs) just saying
0: yeah well thank you guys so much seriously for supporting us awesome yeah Hope you uh, keep enjoying us.
1: We're getting more people for this fucking bar crawl.
0: Yeah. Right. I'm just saying.
1: People,
0: We're gonna you're fucking gonna take to, over
1: like downtown Plainfield.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have to road trip to uh, Joliet.
1: We're the only exciting thing here.
0: Pre- yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Except the old jail where they filmed Blues Boy yeah. or Blues Brothers. Yeah,
1: and you can get in there. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so we could take a trip of that. It's haunted. I know.
1: It's haunted as fuck. I know. Actually.
0: And you know what's creepy is... There's
1: blue barrels in there?
0: Well, yeah. (laughs) But I always had to go there because the lab is right right across the street. Mm -hmm. The Illinois State Police Crime Lab.
1: A friend of mine volunteers there every week to clean up.
0: What, the lab?
1: No, the prison. Oh. Yeah. She's like, do you want to go? I'm like, what time? She's like, seven. I'm like, no.
0: It was like the lab because they're sticklers getting in there i mean i would even have they knew me and i yeah. would still have to show my credentials no, each time. no no
1: no the the prison mm. so yeah
0: cool 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 so was, what do you got for us today
1: i have the white house farm murders mm-hmm.
0: never heard of it
1: uk case from uh the 80s and That's i was
0: probably why
1: You've never heard of it? Yeah. yeah well, you, I've you never even, heard of it. You haven't heard of half of these. That's okay. <laughs> I know. The next one you sorry. Of, right?
0: Yeah, I, I have.
1: Yeah. And uh, then
0: I don't know the details of it, but I have heard of yeah. the next one.
1: And then we're doing the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Jessica Chambers.
0: I know so, that one.
1: Yeah. I got a list. I got a fucking list. Mm-hmm. I uh am moving up in the world and this is how computer illiterate I am. I now have a notebook <laughs> for the podcast. Yeah. To keep track of all the episodes I think of that I want to do. Cool. Cuz you know. Yeah.
0: We still have the list that people have given us. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple left on there's it.
1: There's I think yeah, a couple. I'll so a look. Start sending them requests, and guys. You can either do it through the social media or on our website. There's an option to email.
0: Mhm.
1: So because it's fancy.
0: I'm always on social media, like on Instagram and stuff. Always. Yeah, so you could shoot it to me and I'll write it down.
1: And then he'll probably forget. No. And an hour later. Hey.
0: No, I've written him down.
1: Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you Ooh. something. I can't fucking remember what it was. I'm awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was not it. Shit. I don't remember.
0: I'm sure you'll remember.
1: Uh, whatever, you're waving me on and distracting me.
0: Yeah, I just, I figure I don't, you know, the talking before episodes, I think we got to cut it down a little bit.
1: It's the only time I talk to you really during the day.
0: I, It really is, I know, so it's kind of hard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: See, it really is the only time we talk. So. We had
1: no kids here the other day and I I literally sat in silence for like... Four and a half hours. And
0: it was fucking great.
1: You were playing a game and I was doing a case, I think. Yeah, it was fucking great. We didn't even talk to each other to eat.
0: Yeah, I know. So. Fucking great.
1: All right. So. The White House fire murders.
0: All right. Dun, dun, dun. Hit me with it.
1: All right. So one phone call sealed his fate. On August 7th, 1985 at 326 AM, Jeremy Bamber placed a call to the Chelmsford Police Department's non-emergency number. He said his father, Neville Bamber, I love that name, Neville, uh, called him to say his sister Sheila had, quote, gone berserk with a gun. The line he said went dead in the middle of the call. Neville had asked him to come quickly. So why didn't Jeremy call 999, which is their 911, by the way?
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And why did he call his girlfriend in London before heading over to White House Farm near Tulsant, Darcy, Essex, England? That's how I set it up now. I try. Nice. Good setup. So Ralph (coughs) Neville Bamber goes by Neville. He married June Speakman in 1949, and they were both 25. The couple moved into a Georgian-style home at White House Farm located on Page's Lane. It was a 300-acre working farm that previously belonged to June's father. Neville was a farmer. An RAF, which is Royal Air Force pilot in World War Two, and a magistrate at the local uh, Witham Magistrates Court. So I had to look up what magistrate meant. Mm-hmm. They like they do the little things, like what they fuck does that mean? They can like write tickets and they can mediate and stuff like that, but they can't like arrest. I don't know. so yeah, it's it's so a,
0: maybe like equivalent to a CSO community service. Kind officer. of, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, magistrate sounds much fancier.
0: It sounds like important.
1: Yeah. It is over there, apparently. So, uh, he was described as a perf- perfect gentleman, well built at six foot four inches in good physical health. He was a big dude. Uh, the Bambers big dude. were more than uh, financially secure. They had the farm, they had a property in London, and they owned a caravan site, which here would be like an RV. No, like a camp, like an RV campground. Yeah. yeah. And every time I think of this, I think of Peppa Pig saying camper van. (laughs) So, um, June was an intensely religious woman. She suffered from depression and was hospitalized multiple times for uh, psychiatric treatment. Mm. Doctors believe part of the cause of her depression was her inability to get pregnant.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, After six years of marriage, they still were unable to conceive a child. And then June had to have surgery to remove a cyst, uh, which doctors then told her she would essentially be sterile. She would no longer be able to get pregnant.
0: I would think that would do some mental damage. Yeah. yeah,
1: I would fuck somebody up. I would think.
0: Yeah, I, I would think so.
1: So the couple decided to adopt. This is the thing that kills me. So like, you adopt and then this shit happens.
0: Yeah. Could be. Yikes.
1: Fuck. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baby Phyllis was born on July 18th of 1957 to 18-year-old Christine. She was the daughter of the senior chaplain to the Archbishop of Canterbury.
0: Now that sounds fancy. Probably
1: shouldn't have been having premarital sexual relations then. Yeah. So he forced her to give up the baby for adoption. Two weeks after her birth, Phyllis was placed for adoption through Church of England Children's Society. The chaplain knew Neville through the RAF and knew the couple.
0: To, to cut you off, they're not big on schmishmortions over there, are Ooh. they? Yeah, I didn't think so.
1: I don't know either what the legality is.
0: I, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to look it up.
1: Yeah. Now that Roe versus Wade has been turned over here.
0: Yeah, I, I would get in the conversation. But it's but too much. It's too much. Yeah.
1: Um, so the chaplain knew Neville through the REF and knew the couple was looking to adopt and recommended them to the agency. Three months later, Neville and June adopted the baby girl and renamed her Sheila Jean. In nineteen fifty-eight, Jean or excuse me, June was admitted to a psychiatric hospital for severe depression. The exacerbation of her depression was more than likely caused by the adoption. Now this is a not so fun fact, but Post-adoptive depression is, uh, it's a thing. It's a mood disorder that can be just as crippling as postpartum depression. While adoptive parents don't experience the same physical experience as a birth mother, they can experience similar emotions and mental stresses. Some new adoptive parents feel they are not forming the bond they hoped they would or as quickly as they wanted. Others may underestimate the work and lifestyle shift that come with adoption. Did you find it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Abor- okay, what are the UK laws on abortion? Abortion can legally be carried out within the first twenty-four weeks. Twenty-four? Pre- yeah, of pregnancy in England, Scotland, and Wales. Pregnancy terminations can only be performed after the twenty-four week cutoff point in a highly limited number of contexts. Yeah. Such as when the mother's life is at risk, or the child will have a severe disability.
1: Mm-hmm. So pretty much the same as twenty-four ours. weeks is a lot. Like that's that's long. What? What's us? Twenty. Oh really? And even twenty is yeah. Oh yeah. Twenty-four, 24. weeks is that's six months. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's
0: well. Mm. I mean,
1: yikes! We know somebody who has a a fucking twenty-two week preemie. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so June actually underwent electroshock therapy at least six times, mm. and I kind of read into it a little bit. And um, as long as somebody's not fucking around and they know what they're doing, and you're getting it for the right reason, it's relatively effective.
0: Well, you know who had had that done?
1: Who?
0: I won't say it on air, but
1: oh, hmm. I didn't know that.
0: A relative.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, it didn't
0: work.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so by all accounts, it seemed to help June. And after a couple of years, Neville and June decided to adopt again.
0: And I think I whispered it loud enough so it you was did. heard.
1: You did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeremy Paul Marsham was born on January 13th, 1961 at St. Mary Abbott's Hospital in uh, in Kingston, London.
0: He, London.
1: I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> uh, sorry p- to the UK
0: fans. He's oh not
1: he's not sorry, guys. This is what he does to me. Hello um, from London. Oh my fucking God. They're all all of the listeners in UK they are like me now. you fuck. We do not sound like that. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> alright. So Uh, His parents were Juliet Dorothy Wheeler and Leslie Brian Marsham. She was a vicar's daughter, and he uh, was a married British Army sergeant major who was a controller at Buckingham Palace. Mm. So this is like a big fucking to-do, this affair. But can we go back to vicar for a minute? Yeah. Do you remember the friends where Joey finds uh, Rachel's um, book under her pillow? Yeah. About, you know, the erotic book. Yeah. And he comes out dressed in hockey gear, (laughs) saying he's the vicar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) Not
1: even close. But I had to throw that up there. Sorry. So, Juliet gave the baby up for adoption shortly after his birth to the Church of England Children's Society. Jeremy's birth parents, this would be a kick in the ass, uh, eventually got married and Mm. had more children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Neville and June adopted Jeremy when he was six months old. Now, Neville and June would tell each of their children at the age of seven that they were adopted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so both kids, kids were sent to private school, starting at St. Nicholas Primary, then Malden Court Prep School. The way they do school out there, I really was having a hard time understanding it. So if I'm, I'm going to explain it wrong, I know that I am, so I apologize in advance because it's it's very different than it is really? here. It's very different. Okay. It's, it's like primary school and then, like, I don't know. I can't even explain. So it.
0: basically, it's not like elementary here where no. one through No, eight. no. It's and like then high school.
1: High school is not high school.
0: What is it, like prep school or it's something? It's
1: like, I, well, yeah, kind of, but like, hang on. I'll get there because I can't remember, like, oh, like you have to pass like certain levels to get to another point. And it's just, it's very, you get a general certificate of education hmm. and then you go to secondary education, which is for ages 16 to 18.
0: Wow. I told you, like yeah. I, I had a
1: really hard time understanding it. So I, I apologize. Interesting. um, <clears throat> Uh, In September of 1970, at age nine, Jeremy was sent to Gresham's school in Holt, Norfolk County, England. Uh, There he joined the cadet force. Now, Jeremy resented being sent to boarding school because he was like, why why the fuck did they adopt me and then send me away? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, June really wanted them educated locally, but Neville had gone to boarding school and thought it would be good. A good experience for them. Yeah. So. um, And this schooling
0: probably works 10 times better out there. Like, y- the U.S. is so far behind in oh my fucking God. schooling. They're definitely
1: it- smarter than we are. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs>
1: 157 yeah. fucking percent. So, <clears throat> uh, so like I said, you know, Neville had gone to boring school and thought that Jeremy would enjoy it. Um, so, Jeremy would say that later on, in addition to relentless bullying, he was actually sexually assaulted at the age of 11. Mm-hmm. Um, he only told his close friend Brett Collins and didn't tell anybody else. Yeah, and I don't know when it. I don't think it became public until after this event. Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy left Greshams with no qualifications, which of course pissed off Neville. So he goes to this boarding school for eight years and leaves in with nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. Um, he did manage to pass seven O levels at Sixth Form College in Colchester.
0: Don't know what that means. I, but.
1: I, don't, I don't either. Uh, he left sure. there in nineteen seventy eight. Uh O levels see I tried to write it down. O levels are the general certificate of education and it's subject based academic qualification that replaces the sixteen plus school certificate. So like the Jeez. diploma. Okay. And then sixth form college is the final two years of secondary education ages sixteen to eighteen. Okay. I wrote in my notes, I don't get it. I still don't get it. <laughs> but I'm try, sure it works. I tried really hard. Yeah. I did. Sure um sure it works. So, uh, Jeremy, Jesus, was moody, apparently.
0: Jeremy or Jesus? Jeremy. Okay. Sorry.
1: Jesus, too, probably. Yeah, I Jesus
0: can. is always.
1: He's looking at us like, God,
0: guys, come We're on. We're idiots.
1: So, um... He was really moody and he liked to hurt animals, which wasn't really elaborated Uh, on. You
0: know what that's Uh, a sign of? Yeah,
1: serial killers. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like the gateway. Uh, Multiple people said Jeremy was coming up as an asshole, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, He was a spoiled brat. He was rude, lazy, and bossy. I feel like you can't be all of those. You have to pick. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe two. Pick two. Yeah. But you can't be... A a shithead, lazy ass. Like, you can either be a shithead or you can be lazy. You can't really be both. No,
0: I think you could be all Uh,
1: Yeah. I I mean, I guess I am. Definitely lazy. Yeah. Definitely (laughs) lazy. Yeah. Um, Both kids got whatever they wanted and could do whatever they wanted, pretty much. Uh, June was afraid if she disciplined the kids, the adoption agency would come and take them. Mm. Which obviously wouldn't happen. Right. But... So now, according to Jeremy's friend, Collins, or Brett Collins, excuse me, Jeremy had sexual relationships with men and women. Uh, apparently, his good looks and charm appealed to both sexes. Other friends say, say he would come to a bar in full makeup. What? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which I feel like he did a lot of this shit just to piss his dad off. Mark's drinking uh, out of the tumbler I made him. It's delicious. I put a Grim Reaper on it. Ah, it was fitting. Died so, twice. Yeah,
0: I'm still here.
1: No biggie. No big deal. Um. So Jeremy wasn't great in school, obviously, right. especially in English. Uh, he would pick fights with other kids, but then cower and cry when they fought back. I know people like that. Mm-hmm. Sheila, however, made friends quickly and was popular in school. Often defending Jeremy. June, like I said, was deeply religious, which seemed to intensify every time she sought treatment, which. Do you notice that happens a lot? Yeah. Like it exacerbates their religious zealous. Mm -hmm. What case do we do where that just fucking happened too?
0: Babe, I can't remember remember. five minutes ago. I know you can't.
1: I know. Um, So they were both made to attend, uh, made to regularly attend church and Sunday school. Sheila was more of a free spirit, you know, while Jeremy was being a dickhead over there. However, she was extremely insecure and never really got over it. Uh, After an aunt's death, Sheila was sent to boarding school. She was absolutely miserable and had deep feelings of rejection from her classmates and her parents. She coped by rebelling and journal writing. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, babe, maybe we should get a fucking journal.
0: I know, right? You think?
1: So Sheila finally made friends with two girls named Rosalind and Jean both said that she was lacking confidence and could not do things alone uh she then found a group of girls and started skipping school one time narrowly escaping being raped which was not elaborated on i feel like that's something that's big yeah that was not elaborated on yeah. at all um <clears throat> her anger stemmed from insecurity and the need for reassurance so they were both shitheads <laughs> yeah at this point um when Sheila was 14 or 15, she became, or June became obsessed with watching over her and tried to um, fill her free time with productive activities because otherwise she would turn out to be a floozy, mm. which I like that word. Um, <clears throat> it didn't matter because Sheila continued to do what she wanted. She snuck out all the fucking time. Um, when she was done with school, she decided she wanted to go to London. London. June was hesitant but allowed her to go anyways. They enrolled her in Secretarial College, which that was a thing, in uh, Swiss Cottage, London. Did Mm. I read that right? Yeah. Uh, She was given a dorm and started school September 4th of 1974. She was not happy about being in school, but she was happy to be in London. Uh, At a bohemian pub called the Three Horseshoes, 17-year-old Sheila met Colin Caffle, who was 21 at the time. He was an art student, so you know they're hippies. Mm. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. No, I am. Um, It was an instant attraction, and they had their first date two days later. Uh, Excuse me, in April of 1975, Sheila quit school, uh, noting lack of interest.
0: No.
1: I mean, it's secretary school. I get
0: it. Yeah, I get it. I feel feel you.
1: This blows.
0: So is that really how you type? Da, 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 da.
1: No, you guys say I'm angry type. Yeah, you do. I can't help it.
0: You press the buttons hard.
1: I don't know why.
0: You're angry. I'm
1: not. I mean, I, I am, but I'm, like, not. I don't know. Yes, you are. So <laughs> she started school. Maybe it's because Jax calls me Karen 24-7. He does. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's his new name. It's not even mom. It's no. just Karen. It's Karen. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. Which,
1: right, you would.
0: I'm Dada, and you're Karen. And I'm
1: Karen. <laughs> or brah. Ma, stop going in Karen mode. <laughs> Which I'm not. I will literally be sitting there doing absolutely nothing. And he's like, what are you doing, Karen? I'm about to slap the shit out of you is what I'm going to do.
0: Proud dad moment. God.
1: So she started to train as a hairdresser and left that school soon after to start pursuing modeling. Jesus. She was actually she was gorgeous. Was she, she really was. Um, she had the looks, but not the confidence. It really just stifled her. Hmm. Uh, Neville and June paid for a portfolio and modeling classes, which they could have paid for it for me. I could model. We, yeah. we could model. We'd be good at it.
0: Fuck yeah! In my wheelchair, we'd be fucking terrible. Ah, oh my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
0: it's gonna look like our poop shoot shirts.
1: They're coming. They're coming
0: with my face on it. Literally.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to print out your face 117 yes. motherfucking It's going to be
0: awesome.
1: There's not enough vinyl in the world for your fat head, by the way.
0: Welcome to the poop shoot, people. Yeah.
1: I went down the aisle at Walmart today. I went looking for a pen, a specific mm. pen. And I saw the aisle with all the vinyl and I was like, God, I'm going to have to print out his fucking hat. I should probably make a lot more. Yes, you should. This is after he randomly calls me to ask me to measure his head when I get home.
0: Because I need to know what size hat I need.
1: I get it, but it's just, it's a strange phone call.
0: Yeah. So. Jack said the same thing. Yeah. He's like, Dad, that's, that's weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, would it be less weird if I said, could you measure my wiener?
1: No, equally. Okay. Yeah. Um, so one shoot for the portfolio had Sheila holding a gun. Now earmark this. Mm-hmm. The photographer said it was very clear she had no idea what the fuck she was doing and did not know how to handle a gun.
0: goop, 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 goop.
1: So apparently around this time in the UK, um, sex was becoming more open. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it wasn't a thing you waited for anymore. It was very open. People were open about it. They talked about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, with sex becoming more of a fun activity than a strictly marital event, and sex and violence becoming the center of movies and music, many feared that Britain was headed for a period of moral corruption with sexual chaos. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. That is the best saying ever moral corruption with sexual chaos. Fuck yeah. What? Where do we sign up for that? I don't know, but
0: that should be on a T-shirt. This is
1: what I'm saying. Man. So in the summer of 1975, 18-year-old Sheila found out she was pregnant. Uh, Her and Colin, the couple, planned on keeping the baby and marrying later. Neville and June weren't having it, especially June, who kept saying premarital sex was a sin. Uh, They did arrange for an abortion. And all but forced Sheila to have it, leaving Sheila concerned about future pregnancies. So, while she stayed with her parents, Colin went home to London. When Colin came to to see Sheila to visit her, uh, June caught them sunbathing nude in a field. Ooh,
0: sexy. Yeah.
1: Is that the sexual chaos? (laughs) Don't ever do that again. (laughs) Fucking traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Um so June went absolutely fucking crazy yelling about yelling about them fornicating on her land.
0: Fornicating.
1: I had to write that word down. Uh and called Sheila, quote, the devil's child. Mm. No, I have that.
0: What's fornicating? Butt play?
1: No, it's just sex.
0: Oh well that's not fun. No. It's just be cooler for proper.
1: I don't think they would write butt play in an article. (laughs) I would. I mean, you would. Yeah. But I don't think people, (laughs) like normal people, would. So, uh, this all but destroyed the already strained mother-daughter relationship. She said her mother clearly didn't think much of her and Sheila was now terrified of June. In the spring of 1977, Sheila found out she was pregnant again. Colin could not pull out of a fucking driveway, apparently. No, yeah, he can't. So the Bambers offered to buy Sheila and Colin a flat if they got married. So they got married in May of 1977 at Chelmsford, Chelmsford Register Office. I think the magistrates can perform marriages, too. Yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like. Uh, they moved into a flat in Carlingford Road, are on Car- Carlingford Road in Hampst- Hampstead.
0: Magistrate almost sounds like an attorney now. It's not,
1: yeah. Out here in, in the U.S., I think it is. Yeah. I, Out there, it's not. Yeah. Because I know sometimes in some of the reports I read, instead of it saying judge, it says magistrate. Like in... <clears throat> almost sounds like an elected, Yeah, you know... In Louisiana. Public figure. In the something. parishes, they have magistrates.
0: Do they really? Yeah, oh.
1: so... I don't know why I've never been there. Um, So, unfortunately, though, Sheila lost the baby when she was six months pregnant. Mm. She ended up going to Tokyo then for modeling. Kind of like the wrestlers go to Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, She had a terrible time. Wrote Colin um, that she should probably see a psychiatrist when she gets home because maybe, quote, I'm schizophrenic or something. Oh, jeez. Uh, she feared she had an evil aura that forced people to shun her. Hmm. Isn't that weird? weird? Yeah. So uh she suffered another miscarriage
0: Yikes.
1: after uh shortly after this.
0: <clears throat> uh oh, you're beeping. Yeah,
1: it's gonna expire. Um
0: You're not gonna drop, are you? No.
1: Uh one article I read said it was um a voluntary termination, so it could have been another Shmishmorshow. Um, <clears throat> but after the second ma- miscarriage, she got pregnant again. Damn. Again, he couldn't pull out of a fucking driveway. Dude,
0: this dude is
1: yeah uh, shooting everywhere. After four months of bed rest, Sheila gave birth to twin boys, Nicholas and Daniel on June 22nd of 1979. Um, during Sheila's 21st birthday party, Colin disappeared for two hours with another broad Sheila punched a window.
0: Yeah.
1: Fuck the window. Punch him. Punch him. Don't break your window. She ended up having to go to the hospital for stitches. No. And, you know. So, <clears throat> they were divorced then in May of 1982. Neville bought Sheila another flat. This one in Morkshead Mansions made vol. You're still beeping. I know. It'll stop. Um... Colin lived in nearby Kilburn, so they kind of lived together, you know. Mm. They were doing their best at co-parenting. During this time, though, Sheila decided to find her birth mother, who she knew was living in Canada. Now, Jeremy got super pissed about this because he felt that it was disrespectful to June.
0: Okay. June and
1: Neville adopted him. They raised him. Why the fuck do you need to find... Your birth mother. Yeah, I get it. So he never did. He never looked for his birth parents. Yeah. He found out who they were later, but never he never looked for them. I get it. So she ended up meeting uh, her birth mother at Heathrow Airport for a reunion, but nothing really came of it right away. Mm. It took a while. So uh, to get her mind off of, off of it, she went on an annual three-day hunting trip in Scotland with her brother and her dad. <laughs> Uh, this was an annual male female family hunting trip that Jeremy and Neville always went on that Sheila never did. Hmm. So, <clears throat> this was the very first time that she had gone. And Jeremy would later say that Sheila handled guns over the weekend. Now, other family members on this trip said that she asked one time to shoot a weapon, did it wrong, wasn't able to handle the gun, handed it back, and said, I'm not doing that again. No. Earmark that. Okay. I don't know why I wrote numbers on top of these pages. Um, so Sheila also started hanging out with a party crowd. They partook in a lot of partying, cocaine, and free sex. Cocaine. Dude, the UK was where it was at. I know. Apparently. Fuck, man. So these women would say that Sheila was immensely insecure and often complained of her relationship with her adopted mother. Sheila was living on welfare. Or working low-paying jobs, waitressing, um, or cleaning houses. Now, she worked She worked at a, reg, uh, a restaurant called Shit. It wasn't called Shit. I can't remember the name of it, but they dressed up as schoolgirls.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Kind of like the Tilted Kilt?
1: Yes, but schoolgirls.
0: Yeah, the Tilted Kilt.
1: Are they dressed as schoolgirls?
0: They have, like... The Catholic I it was school. Just,
1: I thought it was just plaid because it was yeah, a kilt. but
0: it it looks like you know yeah. Catholic school. I've girl, never I've never been
1: there, so
0: I don't think I've Clearly ever. Clearly, you that. have. No, I just I get to see the free promotions on Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Hmm. Is their food good? Because I mean, I'm down. I don't, it,
0: it, <laughs> honestly, it looks good. I mean, like Hooters and stuff. Like I I love their food. There's a
1: tilted kilt in Romeo. We should check it out one yeah. time. We got to find that. But in a the
0: burgers look fucking phenomenal. Do they? Yeah.
1: We'll have to look into it. Um, so despite their strained relationship, June really helped Sheila a lot with the twins. Neville and June adored the grandkids and spoiled them like they did Jeremy and Sheila. Sheila was suffering from postpartum depression. She got a social worker who felt that respite care would be a good route and then she requested psychoanalysis. So respite care, do you know what that is? Um, it's essentially like a break. Okay. So like if you're fostering a kid mm-hmm. and it's a difficult child and you need a couple days off, they give you respite care. Oh, And really? the child will go to another home for a couple days, stuff like that. Well, that's so, a good idea. Um, I don't know how it is here with...
0: i don't think that happens
1: i know with it with foster care it does i don't think it does with like birth children
0: no i don't
1: but in in england it did wow um so she was picking fights with colin and now she was admitting to hallucinations and self-harm with paranoia not good so she wasn't far off saying she thought she was schizophrenic Um, June was helping Sheila and also caring for an elderly family member so she was kind of stretched beyond her means and her mental health was also suffering she would snap at people and make Sheila feel shitty about the breakup of her marriage excuse me in 1982 June was admitted to a psychiatric hospital being treated by Dr. Hugh Ferguson meanwhile Sheila's mental health was continuing to decline with episodes of banging her head against the wall
0: yeah, something's. Yeah, something's. Something's going not on. right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> oh, I I wrote say that later, so I'll put my pen there.
0: Say what later? Whatever I wrote down. Okay, but I don't. Mm, we'll just say
1: it. Okay, so um, <clears throat> in August of 1983, her family doctor referred her to Dr. Hugh Ferguson, which was June's psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, she was in an agitated state, paranoid and psychotic. She was then admitted to St. Andrews Hospital, where Dr. Ferguson diagnosed her with schizoaffective disorder. Mm-hmm. Now, schizoaffective disorder is a combination of symptoms of schizophrenia and a mood disorder such as bipolar or depression. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Sheila believed that the devil had given her the power to project evil onto others and that she could make her sons have sex and, uh, cause violence with her. She called them the devil's children, and she believed she was capable of killing them or getting them to kill others. She's
0: really got something going on here. She
1: spoke of suicide, but Dr. Ferguson did not find her to be suicidal.
0: Mm -hmm. Homicidal? Uh,
1: She was discharged in September of 1983 and continued to see Dr. Ferguson outpatient. This is when he uh, decided that his first diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder was wrong. Mm -hmm. He now believed that she had schizophrenia and started her on the antipsychotic stelazine, which seemed to help. Now, schizophrenia is defined as continuous relapsing episodes of psychosis, hallucinations, delusions, paranoia, disorganized thinking, which is her to a T. despite the the similarities between the two, the treatment apparently is very different. Okay. So if you're treating a schizophrenic for schizoaffective disorder, it's not going to work. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so now back to Jeremy. Uh, he did anything he could to pick at his parents to piss them off. Whatever. Uh, he would ride his bike around June, <clears throat> like just making circles around her just to piss her off. He'd wear makeup to piss off Neville and bring rats around the uh, secretary oh, of geez. the firm. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy would later say he knew he was going to em- end up a farmer, which he just did not want to wow. do. Yeah. yeah. Neville wanted Jeremy to take his place at North Molden Growers Limited, which is a company that Neville and a couple buddies started to get better deals off their feed. They, they made a lot of money, like yeah. a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Uh, At age 12, Neville gave Jeremy a small portion of the field to grow sweet corn. He would then sell it through his dad's company for a small profit. He went through school generally unnoticed per his housemaster. Jeremy shied away from sports due to a recurring knee injury, but did develop interest in technology. He started smoking pot and experimenting with several other drugs. So did everybody. Uh, Jeremy and Sheila had a good relationship at this time. He would show off her modeling pictures to her friends, and she was protective of him. Um, <clears throat> she was kind and sensitive, and they had a lot of good times together, is what he would say. So he started to rebel, sneaking out and smoking pot literally all the time. Yeah, uh, He was described as, quote, small in stature, big in mouth. <laughs> Which that I'm putting on a fucking t shirt. Right.
0: I think that's me.
1: <laughs> um you're not small in stature, oh you know? yeah.
0: Big in stature, big in mouth. Yeah,
1: they're bigger <laughs> in mouth. There you go. Um <clears throat> He would become very angry if criticized. Like he could dish it out, but he couldn't fucking take it.
0: Yeah. Wiener. I can't stand people like that. Wiener.
1: Um he would often just walk away from fights that he started. But like would walk home. Like they were in the car fighting, him and his buddy, and he told his buddy to pull over, and he walked 23 miles home.
0: <laughs> 23 miles home? Dude, what? This fucking guy.
1: Uber? I mean, 23 yeah. miles. Fuck you.
0: You guys are being mean to that- me. <laughs> oh my God, I'm walking.
1: I apologize to the entire <laughs> UK as a whole for Mark. (laughs) I'll never bring him there. Don't worry.
0: You guys are bloody mean to
1: me. Oh, my God. You would get the fucking map like Joey and put it (laughs) on the ground and, like, stand on it and start... Yeah. Right. So, in July of 1978, Jeremy decided that eight years at boarding school was enough and uh, just refused to go back. So... Neville and June agreed after he promised to finish his education locally that he would not have to go back to boarding school. So when Jeremy got back from the shooting trip in Scotland, he enrolled in school, uh, Colchester Institute, to finish his biology and math levels. So like grades, but like just those. Uh, He was popular here, described as a pleasant person who got along with everyone. He began... He became part of a close circle of friends. The girl said he was gentle and kind and fun to be with. I guess, like, according to those standards at the time, he was attractive. Yeah. It's like a, like a Michael J. Fox and Family Ties kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, I fucking love that show. It was a good show. I'm going to start singing the theme song when we're done recording. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jeremy said at this time, him and his dad got along well, but his relationship with June progressively got worse as he got older. Uh, When Jeremy finished school with really nothing to show for it, he convinced his parents to send him to Australia to find himself. Australia? No, babe. No. (laughs) Um, Obviously, Neville paid for the trip, and it was supposed to be a working trip, quote unquote, where he was going to learn how to scuba dive, which I don't know how that helps you in London, but cool. Cool. So while he was there, though, he ended up going to Queensland and he worked on a sugar plantation.
0: Yeah.
1: From there, he went to New Zealand, staying with family. Neville's family was from there. Um, at this time, though, June had a nervous breakdown. She moved in with her sister for several weeks, and when she came home, nothing had changed. Mm. Uh, June fifteenth of nineteen eighty one. Now, in Neville's defense, he really tried. Yeah. He really, and, and so did she. He, they just couldn't, you know. They couldn't get hers under control. Yeah. He was very concerned and always showed concern about her. And mm. So <clears throat> uh, June 15th of 1981, Jeremy returned to England. And friends allege that Jeremy took money from a cousin while he was gone, broke into a jewelry shop, and stole two expensive watches. They say Jeremy bragged about being involved in smuggling heroin, and that's why he left the country so quickly. Ooh. Jeremy denies all of this, saying he didn't flee or steal. He was there working. Uh, at home, Jeremy wanted to partner with uh, another person for a scuba diving company. Neville refused to give him the money, so he got a job in a restaurant and took diving classes. Again, diving in London. I don't know. No. Um, Neville and June were upset he didn't want to work the farm business full-time, um, and they couldn't really figure out why. You want to be a fucking farmer. No. I wouldn't want to be a farmer. Uh, God bless all the farmers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there was obviously a difference in how Jeremy wanted to live his life and the conservative expectations of his parents. Uh, This is why he kept his first serious relationship a secret. Her name was Sue, uh, Suzette Ford. She was a formerly married mother of three in her early 30s. And she worked as a barmaid at a bar called Frog and Beans. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. I know. I like that name.
1: Um, he still had a curfew. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <So. laughs> um, when her husband moved out, Jeremy moved in. And He'd, how old is he? He's just out of school, so eighteen or nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Still got a curfew.
1: Well, but I mean, well, I, mean mm-hmm.
0: I, I it's going to happen with the kids, so I can't if they're still at home.
1: You're in my house. You're in my house, my
0: rules. So. <laughs> and they're
1: they're supporting him.
0: Yeah. So, okay. I'm cool with that. My house, my rules.
1: I don't know how his 30-year-old girlfriend was cool with that, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, he told his parents he was staying with a friend, but they actually found out about it. And Neville told Jeremy if he didn't end the relationship, he would be disinherited. Um, unbeknownst to his parents, though, Jeremy had proposed to Sue. It caused June a lot of stress when she found out, with a friend saying that June refused to let Jeremy in the house until he ended the relationship. Mm. Jeremy or June was on the verge of another breakdown, so Neville took her on an extended holiday. Jeremy and Sue started having problems. Beep, oh I, I know. It's Can you
0: turn the thing off? I
1: can't. It's on the couch. Jesus. Um, <clears throat> he started a relationship with. Uh, wait. So Jeremy and Sue started having problems. After she told him, she spent a sexless night with a mutual friend. Whoa, they got drunk yeah. They got drunk and hung out, but did not have sex.
0: Bullshit.
1: He started a relationship with a girl named Jane. Uh, he told her he had no intention of becoming a farmer, and one day he would be opening a scuba diving shop in Australia. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, she broke up with him. <laughs> well, good talk. Yeah. Do you want to know why, though? What? He just showed up one day with a bunch of his shit to move in.
0: Yeah. She's
1: like, mm, no. Deuces. Gotta go. Yeah, So Deuces. she broke up with him after that.
0: Later, dude.
1: Uh, June was admitted again to St. Andrew's Psychiatric Hospital after becoming fanatic with religion and her depression worsening. Uh, she told her sister she believed she was going to die in the hospital and wrote a will, actually. Really? In which she left Jeremy out of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Dr. Ferguson diagnosed her with paranoid psychosis. Uh, paranoid psychosis is a psychotic condition characterized by persecutory. As I wrote that word, I'm like I'm not gonna be able to. Say it. Yeah. Delusions um, without personality disorganization or deterioration. So you're paranoid, but you're not nuts. Basically, uh, it's a delusional disorder that puts you in a paranoid state.
0: <clears throat> Same.
1: Delusional disorder disorders, which were previously called paranoid disorder, is a type of serious mental illness uh, called the psychotic disorder. People who have it can't tell what's real from what is imagined. Delusions are the main symptom of delusional disorder. Go figure. They're unshakable beliefs in something that isn't true or based on reality. So that's where their fanatic religion comes from. Not that it's not true, but it's yeah. an unshakable belief. Yeah. Um, So this was the cause of her distorted religious beliefs, and she did not have a healthy focus on it. Dr. Ferguson gave June uh, electroshock therapy again, which uh, apparently psychotic depression reacts very well to it. June again showed improvement in mood, and her depression was under control within a month um, with medication and the electroshock therapy. Um, So... Sheila was also showing improvement. She was stable, living with the twins, determined to make a new start. So now we're back Mm -hmm. together. Uh, In August of 1982, Jeremy went to New Zealand with thousands of dollars for a deep sea diving course. Uh, The money disappeared. He said he lent it to a friend who didn't pay him back, and he uh, begged his mother for money. So she sent him 1,500 pounds for the course after Jeremy demanded it, and she refused to send him any more.
0: Do you know what,
1: what was it, 1,500 1,500, yeah, I didn't convert it. Oh, okay. I was going to, and then I forgot. Okay. Why don't you get on that? Yep. Um, <clears throat> so he was actually withdrawn from the class for insufficient funds, so he probably snorted the money is what I would have to guess. Uh, he told people he had to drop the class due to an old skull fracture from June Jop dropping him on his head.
0: You ready? Yeah. 1,500 pounds in U.S. dollars is 1,800 800- Thirty nine dollars and fifty eight cents.
1: Oh, so not like a huge difference. No. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there were shenanigans in eighteen
0: hundred. I'm yeah, sorry.
1: That's what you said.
0: Oh, I thought I said eighteen thousand. I heard eighteen hundred. Okay, eighteen hundred.
1: Um, so he was hanging out with uh, a friend named Brett, um, and he was dealing. What the fuck did I write? I wrote dealing in fraud. Dealing so, drugs? It, Brett was a uh, quote-unquote friend. A lot of people speculate there was a relationship between the two of them. They both denied it. Romantic? Right. Who cares, dude? Mm, little butt plate. Um, Brett. Uh, dealing drugs, yes, and uh, check fraud. Mm. He ended up fleeing the country again, um, but then brought the fancy Cartier watches that he stole and gave one to a girlfriend. <laughs> oh. Uh, this nice. trip marked a turning point in his behavior. Mm. He brought back a kangaroo purse? Yeah. For his girlfriend?
0: It's nice.
1: Yeah, but is it made of kangaroo?
0: That'd be even nicer.
1: No, I don't... It's weird. Why? I like
0: kangaroos. Why don't you... Yeah, but...
1: Aren't they, like, furry? Uh,
0: Babe, when the fuck have I seen a kangaroo?
1: I don't know. I'm just asking.
0: (laughs) I would just think. I mean, I know they're very... Popular out there, yeah. so
1: you know they sit in water and like sit like they're drowning and wait for you to come in and then they attack you. That's it could totally to be not true. I saw it on Facebook, but um, <clears throat> also I would just like to point out Australia again: the spiders eat the birds.
0: Oh, the spiders are the, they, that they, I've seen on-
2: at Parker. Our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices.
0: facebook oh my god how do you people live down there they eat the birds how the fuck burn your house down babe it's burn it down
1: it gives me anxiety oh some
0: of the spiders i've seen they're not
1: spiders they're they're dogs
0: yeah (laughs) they're dogs dude they're rats with like yeah spider
1: 900 legs. legs
0: I, I, babe, I'd have a heart attack seeing one. They eat birds. Could you imagine me pooping and then, like, oh I God. call for you? And I it's remember like hanging over me when
1: a fucking cricket jumped in the shower.
0: Oh, babe, yeah, it's. It, I'm getting anxiety yeah. right now.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he came back saying he was ready to settle down and take on responsibility. That shit lasted for about two months. Um, He then began showing erratic behavior in relationships. In December of 1982, Westminster Social Services closed their file on Sheila and the twins. So she was doing a lot better. Um, Jeremy's relationship with Sue went downhill after he returned from New Zealand, and she said that his behavior had changed. He was probably scared of spiders and had PTSD. No. Just saying. Um, Jeremy started working on the farm, making his relationship with his father better. He was not happy, though. Uh, in March of 1983, Jeremy started attending meetings for Osea Road Camp Sites, LTD, which was their camper van site, mm-hmm. or ca- caravan, yeah. not camper van. Yeah. Uh, his dad also gifted him 8% of the company. Neville mm. and June were ple- present, pleasantly surprised with Jeremy's new work ethic. Sheila was starting to have thoughts of God and the devil again. Uh, She was caught up in a cauldron of evil with her mother. She started hearing voices telling her she was someone else uh, like Joan of Arc or the Virgin Mary. She was always somebody like famous.
0: I feel bad for her. She's really struggling.
1: And she knew. Like, I think that's the hardest part. Like,
0: Like all... all <clears throat> all jokes aside, like I feel for yeah. it. Yeah,
1: and schizophrenics, they, they know when they're not okay. When,
0: when I became it on the medicine, I, I mean. Yeah, you knew. I, I knew what was happening, mm-hmm. and I couldn't control myself, mm-hmm. so I, I I feel.
1: I had a guy who called the police because he thought he murdered somebody mm. because he couldn't afford his meds.
0: Well, I had to tell you, yeah. like, babe, I, I think yeah. I'm going to hurt you. Yep. I, I think I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I,
1: the voices in this guy's head were telling him that he killed somebody. He yeah. called the police just to make sure that he didn't.
0: Yeah. So. It, it's a scary fucking feeling. So I I feel for her. Yeah.
1: So this is when she was hospitalized. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Ferguson described Neville as Sheila's mentor, strength, and protector. And she was constantly needing June's approval. So that didn't help her at all. On September 10th of 1983... She responded well to treatment. She was partially recovered and discharged to her parents' care. The family knew nothing about her disease and never bothered to learn, which I find odd because June was having such, you know.
0: Well, I could relate to that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: But I my mean. My family has no clue. No.
1: It, I just. Doesn't want to. I would think that learn. they would have.
0: The only one that understands is really my dad.
1: Yeah. I, I would think, though, they would try to learn more with June being as... Well,
0: I would think so, too. but Yeah. I know. Fucking people suck.
1: Um, <clears throat> Neville and June decided to give Jeremy more responsibility and pay at the farm. They also gave him a home and a car. Whoa. Dude. Ooh. Quit being a bitch. Yeah. Like, come on. So the house that he wanted, there was actually a woman living in. Mm-hmm. And they kicked her out. <laughs> so he could have it. They gave her a different house.
0: Later. Yeah. <laughs> Later, did. You're they, out.
1: They gave her a different house, but still, you know. So while waiting for the house, he stayed with friends Matthew and the previous owners of the Frog and Beans, mm-hmm. who now owned uh, an American style pizza restaurant called Sloppy Joe's.
0: <laughs> Sloppy Joe's. I like it. But man. it's a pizza
1: restaurant.
0: <laughs> dude, even better, Sloppy Joe's. So that should be the name of our strip club <laughs> when we open it, Sloppy Joe's.
1: We're <laughs> gonna call it the pig.
0: <laughs> yeah. The piggly wiggly. The pig farm.
1: I'm telling you, we were watching Cops the other day and there's a there was a store and it was just called The Pig. Yep. So
0: So people that don't know, eventually our plan is to move to Arizona. We're
1: gonna build a compound. We're
0: not just that. We are our plans are to open up a strip club. So we're thinking of names. Mine is Broads and Beers.
1: We're not naming it The Pig, don't worry. Yeah. Um, But that's our
0: goal, Yeah. to open up a strip club.
1: So Jeremy would bartend most of the nights uh, after working the farm, and this is where he met Julie Mugford. They started dating. Um, Her mom said Jeremy was an odd homosexual. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Which, I'm not... uh, Can you imagine, like... If my mom came up to me and she she, marks an odd homosexual, (laughs) like I'm dating you. Right. I'm going to go with no on that one. But thank you. So Julie Mugford uh, quickly became infatuated. Um, In 1984, Sheila, who was now being called Bambi, was still struggling to get June's approval. She was definitely more capable than she thought, but she didn't know it, you know. And unfortunately, she started to go downhill again. Per Jeremy, family discussions were being had about what to do, uh, but Sheila was adamant about staying in London. Meanwhile, he was fucking around. Uh, Julie was at university, so he kept having girlfriends and one-night stands. He was also still sleeping with Sue and openly growing pot in his home. Mm. Uh, Sheila was becoming erratic again with doctor's appointments and was noncompliant with medications. Dr. Ferguson attempted to contact her general practitioner for help, He spoke with Sheila about what would exacerbate her illness, like what to stay away from. Um, He feared relapse from feeling unliked and seeking June's approval relentlessly. Now, Jeremy at this point was apparently participating in bisexual and homosexual activity, cocaine-fueled orgies, threesomes, and, quote, weird sex.
0: Mmm, I like that.
1: Which, teach his own, but break up with your girlfriend, dude.
0: Well, yeah. But I like the weird sex.
1: <clears throat> I know, this dude is weird, so. Hey. So, Julie would actually later say that she thought he was bisexual. But they did, um, the two of them had a normal sexual relationship. She said, quote, Although to my knowledge, he has not practiced it since knowing me. Which, she was obviously wrong. Jeremy emphatically denies this, which everybody, like, dude, 900 people are like, yep.
0: Yeah.
1: He did it. Who cares? Right. Nobody cares. Um, <clears throat> Julie and Sheila got along great. She could talk to her easier than she could Jeremy. Jeremy called Sheila a nutter, because that's what <laughs> they call them over there, is a nutter. Nut job. Um, and that's that's their version of nut job, yeah. is nutter. Um and said she did horrible things to him. Him and June weren't really speaking at the time, and when they did talk, it turned into heated arguments caused by different viewpoints and his immaturity. Jeremy had a nice little grow operation going, um, and when his London contact fell through, Julie agreed to take it to university and sell. After she sold a 100 pounds... <laughs> nice! <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude.
0: That's what I'm talking about. She was
1: persuaded by her roommate to stop. Listen, if this bitch can sell 100 fucking pounds, yeah. you need to keep going. Right? Just saying. So, Jeremy also developed a contact in Scotland, sending pot and money through the mail. Nobody... Wow. Nobody noticed that?
0: Dude, what's going on?
1: <laughs> I'd be like, this smells good.
0: You're <laughs> right? i <laughs> put it in my pocket.
1: <laughs> Uh, In October of 1984, Jeremy attended a party with Julie and told a friend's boyfriend it was, quote, worthwhile to be obedient to his parents in order to claim his inheritance, although he, quote, didn't like the restrictions it put on his lifestyle. Mm. I don't see any fucking restrictions on your lifestyle, dude. Right? You're banging whoever you want. You're obviously doing coke. You're growing some pot. What kind of restrictions do you have here, sweetheart? Because I don't see any. So Jeremy resented his parents and was miserable, but said he couldn't leave and risk losing his inheritance. Uh, He was jealous that he actually had to do work to get paid when Sheila was just being handed money. Uh, He got super pissed when he saw the books for the camper van site and realized that June was spending a shit ton of money on Sheila and the twins because Sheila couldn't work. Um, Jeremy would later deny all of this. Uh, Ratcliffe's gunmaker sat opposite Sloppy Joe's on Colchester High Street, and the owner was Robert Ratcliffe. He was familiar with Neville, who usually used London-based gunsmiths for buying and repairing his firearms. However... On November 30th, 1984, Neville and Jeremy went to Ratcliffe's <clears throat> on the recommendation of a friend, David Bowflower, and uh, Neville inquired about buying a rifle. Hmm. So they bought a twenty-two rifle with a 10-shot magazine scope silencer and 500 rounds of ammunition. Yeah. This is actually a very common weapon for farmers to kill uh, rabbits and birds.
0: Uh, that's what I was going to yeah. say. It's, it's not... A high Mm-mm. fucking it's or a big caliber. It's,
1: and it's like a slow fire too, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, I don't know what slow fire means, mm. but it just it's a smaller caliber. Yeah, it's it's not a big gun. Yeah, um, it, it <clears throat> it's like a step up from a BB gun. Oh wow,
1: okay. So police would later say uh, that it was safe to assume that this purchase was made for Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy would deny this, saying Neville paid for it. He just gave his opinion, but he didn't have a gun card, um, so he didn't have access to the gun. Um, <clears throat> three months after the purchase, a constable came to the farm to check Neville's firearms renewal, because that was a the thing. They would come knock on your fucking door. Mm. Um, he noted that Neville was meticulous in the safekeeping of weapons that he kept in a padlocked safe. Mm. Now, uh, the UK has the strictest gun laws Literally, Dude. It's you, on the couch. Um
0: it, it, Do you want me to press pause so you can stop that thing? No, it's okay. Um It's
1: annoying as fuck. Uh, well, just shut up and let me finish then. So they have the strictest gun laws in the world. Uh, handguns were banned after the Dunblane School Massacre of 1996. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Jeremy never applied for or held a firearm certificate. However, several people... So,
0: can you still purchase a firearm?
1: Yes, but only certain kinds.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Handguns are banned.
0: Which is weird because, like... uh...
1: You can get a rifle, but you have to have a special permit for the rifle. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's fucking strict as shit over there for guns. And they don't... It's very different... Over there with guns. Like, remember when I was telling you I was listening to the Columbine podcast with mm. the two guys from England? Yeah. They didn't even know how to say it. They yeah. didn't even know how to, you know, talk about guns. It's just, it's not a thing over there. Right. Police were unarmed.
0: Right. You know? I, I think only, what, like the special force police or something Yeah, you'll are find,
1: armed. I talk about it actually, later.
0: But like regular cops, there's no fucking way I would do that shit with no. pepper spray Fuck and a no. little baton.
1: So <clears throat> Jeremy's cousin said that he was a decent chat and proficient in handling weapons, even having a shooting contest with him uh Jeremy did have an air rifle as a teen and would routinely shoot his cousin's shotgun in December of nineteen eighty four Jeremy bought brought two ducks, oh yeah, two ducks to a friend's house, telling her that he had used the new rifle to shoot them, so he knew he knew how to use the gun. Okay. Uh, she noticed that there were no bullets in the ducks, which means they were shot at close range, not for sport. Uh, Sheila saw Dr. Ferguson one week before Christmas. He said she seemed settled and was ready to start a new job, but he had some concerns. Uh, she continued to be fixated on future pregnancies and had disturbances in thinking, and she was still hearing voices. Hmm. Uh, he was not convinced there were hallucinations, as, quote, she had a very good insight into the voices. Hmm. What does that fucking mean?
0: I don't know. To be honest yeah. with you.
1: Um, um, he wanted to try uh, anapheril, anapherinil, sorry, after the start of the new year. Uh, he was concerned about her reaction to the meds, so he started her on a very low dose, which was one 10-milligram pill nightly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in the meantime, Jeremy proposed to Julie. Mm. um the plan was to go to the register's office and get married without telling anyone mm. the pair spent mm-hmm. boxing day which is the day after christmas yeah. if i'm not mistaken at mm. white house farm um julie really felt that the bambers were making an effort to accept her they told jeremy it was time he got married and he said because they wanted him to get married he wouldn't do it because he wouldn't be it wouldn't be his decision all right, so we did pause it so I could shut my pump off, or not shut it off, silence it because it was driving nuts. Yeah, he panics when it beeps. He thinks I'm gonna drop. Well, yeah,
0: and I, I, I gotta it. be prepared to give you mouth to mouth. You're an
1: idiot. <laughs> so <clears throat> he said that he wasn't gonna get married because that's what his parents wanted, and he's like, "Fuck you to his parents." Um, nothing else was said, and he would later put on his official website about the proposal, quote, I'm sure I did no such thing, and I would surely recall if I did. Mm. I'm sure that made Julie very happy. Yeah. Dick. That's why it would happen. Happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Colin spent Christmas and Boxing Day at the farm with Sheila and the twins. This actually led Sheila to think that there was going to be a reconciliation, but he had a girlfriend, so... Um, when the reconciliation didn't happen, Sheila became vacant and didn't seem to know what was going on around her. So she was manic, basically. Uh, friends said she became depressed and withdrew into herself. And visiting her mother made it worse. She would lecture her about men because that's
0: that's what helpful. she wants to hear. Yeah,
1: thank you. It's like those new commercials where they talk about like depression and stuff, mm. and they're like, and my friends told me. Just smile. Yeah. You'll be fine. Fuck <laughs> you. Fuck so, you. She went to see her doctor after the first and her uh anaphronil was increased to thirty milligrams. Desperate, for desperate for money. She worked oh, that's when she was working. It's called school school dinners.
0: Okay.
1: Because dinner there is lunch. Yeah. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um She then did what she...
0: What's dinner called then? Supper.
1: Supper? Supper. Um, Supper is ready.
0: (laughs) That's my Polish accent too. What
1: the... Supper is ready. That's... Babe, you're awful at this. Shut up. (sighs) I'm awesome. Which... Oh, remind me. I'll tell you afterwards. Um... So, she then did what she thought was supposed to be a tasteful nude photo shoot. Ooh. Uh, she, she told Dr. Ferguson, don't do that. That during this time, she was also using cocaine and pot, which... Hey. don't No. It kind of counteracts your fucking psych meds.
0: Yeah, if you're on meds,
1: please don't, stay don't.
0: away from that either,
1: stuff. You're either self-medicating or the doctor's yeah. medicating you. You can't do both.
0: I tried doing the weed on medicine mm-hmm. you know, my doctor was very pro and oh yeah my night terrors were mm-hmm. fucking out of control yeah yeah out of oh, control. Yeah. i mean i went to a, new, a, a different dimension
1: oh yeah you woke up and didn't know who the kids were yeah so, so.
0: please stay away from that stuff <clears throat> here on psych meds
1: so the doctor didn't question her drug use which i find shocking uh the more depressed she got though the more time she spent at the farm uh, the farm secretary Barbara said Sheila would show up dressed in all black, sometimes just silently sitting, chain smoking cigars.
0: Hey. So whatever. I feel you. If um, they're acid cigars, um, yeah. You right really on. like those, yeah? Oh, they're delicious.
1: Um, on one occasion, Sheila told Barbara the world is a dreadful, the world is a dreadful place. The devil was after her, and she kept seeing images of Hitler.
0: Yeah, she's she's got some issues.
1: Um, on March 2nd, 1985, Sheila had a psychotic break. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said God and the devil were sitting next to her and God said that he loved her despite what June told her. Dr. Steve, uh, Lith arrived because she was at her house. She wouldn't leave. Um, they had a long, difficult conversation about the voices. He said that she, he couldn't really get anything out of her. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, he described her as quote, extremely tense, and agitated and intensely suspicious of my motives for talking to her. Her speech, however, was coherent and lucid, but gave one-word answers with long periods of silence. Sheila's boyfriend, Freddie, who that's her new boyfriend, <clears throat> said he was scared for everybody's safety and was afraid she would turn violent. Dr. Lith felt she was on the verge of a breakdown, uh, and she refused a shot to calm her down, which they started giving her uh, help here at all, which is mm-hmm. held all oh um, it's good stuff <clears throat> not for her she didn't like it oh, um it worked good on me. which i found out there's a long acting one
0: it worked fucking oh wonders it for worked me. great for you i yeah. wish they kept it on kept me on it
1: um so dr let you know what a side effect of that is Lactra. Mm. if you take too much of it
0: i didn't have it
1: yeah. no, no no you got to take like a ton of it um So Dr. Lith wrote her for a prescription that we don't know for what, told her to follow up with her doctor on Monday. Overnight, she felt like she was a woman possessed, rambling about the devil and God, and was having violent outbursts. So her boyfriend, Freddie, called Neville, who said he'd be over in the morning. Dr. Michael Finnegan called in the morning to see Sheila. He was unable to hold a rational conversation with her. She refused sedation. So he left thinking a hospital admission was necessary, which, same dude, same. Like, it was. Uh, For the second time in two years, she was admitted uh, to the hospital, which was Isham House at St. Andrews Hospital. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ferguson couldn't pinpoint one event, but said it was a natural relapse brought on by cocaine and pot use. Mm -hmm. See? There's your public service announcement for today. Mm -hmm. With the rainbow, the more you know. So, he said she was not suicidal and didn't think she'd ever harm her children, but if she became violent, it would be towards herself or her mother. Colin took custody of the kids immediately and decided to keep them away from, quote, the religious monster. In March of 1985, Jeremy bought a bunch of shit for his house and his parents couldn't figure out where he was getting the money. He was stealing it and Mm. taking out credit cards in their name. Uh, While at Julie's one day, Jeremy told her housemate that his parents kept him short on cash and his mom is a religious freak, followed by, quote, I hate my fucking parents. Of course, Jeremy denied this. He then burglarized the office of the caravan site of 970 pounds after convincing Neville to put it in the safe versus the bank. Neville knew he did it, but didn't say anything. Now, she lives at the hospital, and she starts calling Jeremy and everybody else she can think of to get out and said that she was unable to function due to the medications that they were giving her. So on March 29th, 1985, she was discharged with plans for a monthly injection of long-acting haloperidol, and antipsychotic. Julie hated how tired and out of it she felt, but it was forced upon her. Dr. Ferguson gave, gave over care to her general practitioner, which I don't understand, uh, over the next couple of months, people would say Sheila was despondent. She wasn't bathing or taking care of herself and was basically non-responsive, which she blamed on the help here at all.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, the Bambers started discussing possibly adopting the twins, and Jeremy would later say that his parents most likely had no idea uh, that Colin had primary custody of the boys. Sheila never told them that he was still seeing the boys, so they didn't think Dad was in the picture. Um... Jeremy, meanwhile, was still being a dick, especially to June. He wanted all of the money, but none of the work. Same, dude. Same. Mm-hmm. Uh, per Barbara, the secretary, Neville confided something to her at the end of July. He was distraught and she didn't know what to do. She wondered if he wanted her to go to the police. It's never said what he told her, so we don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: It's suspected that it was that he knew that Jeremy broke into the caravan site yeah so on august 6th 1985 jeremy went to the farm to do some work and was excited to use a new tractor i would be too uh neville spoke with a business associate who questioned how neville was neville replied that he had something going on that was causing him more worry and was more important than losing a little money from the farm crops at one point sheila walked out to the field to talk to jeremy The last thing, the last line, excuse me, in Sheila's journal talked about how she didn't have to be that way to Jeremy. She did not elaborate, and Jeremy would say he didn't remember what was said, so we don't know. Uh, Later that evening, the Bambers with Sheila were having supper between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., and according to Jeremy, the only living witness said he walked in on a conversation about the twins going into foster care, like the respite care. Uh, he said Sheila didn't seem to have a reaction other than wanting to stay in London. I need a
0: drink. Gulp, 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 gulp.
1: <clears throat> Jeremy would later give two different statements. Uh, the first one was that he looked out the window and saw two rabbits. And the second one was that he went to check the barn and saw rabbits by the potatoes. Uh, he's consistent with statements about getting the rifle from the den without the scope or the silencer on it. He grabbed a uh, 22 caliber low velocity. That's what I meant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, ammunition, and left the rifle in the hallway. He put ten rounds in the magazine in the kitchen. Couldn't find the rabbits, supposedly. No. So he came back in, removed the magazine, chambered the round, and left the rifle uh, leaned up against the wall in the hallway. He didn't talk to his parents or Sheila during this time, and he can't remember if he checked on the rifle or the magazine to see if he put him away. Mm. He left the house at 9.30 p.m. The neighbor heard the car um, of Jeremy, which was loud as shit, apparently. No. On Jeremy's way home, he passed the home of Stephen Smith. <clears throat> Stephen recalls hearing a single gunshot between 9.30 and 10.05 p.m., It came from the southwest. It was dull sounding and appeared like a shotgun approximately 500 yards away in the direction of the White House farm. Barbara called Neville, uh, the secretary, at 930 to 10. She said he was very impatient and then got rude and hung up, uh, and she was shocked because he had never spoken to her like that. Uh, Neville was seen in the field at 10 o'clock that evening finishing up something for Jeremy that he said he would finish. Uh, <clears throat> June's sister Pam called and spoke with June uh, at around 10 o'clock. June also spoke with Sheila and then spoke again with June about being worried about Sheila. And she wanted <clears throat> to come over and look at her to see what her thoughts were on her. Yeah. Like how she was acting. Uh, Sheila had no interest in anything, including the twins. June wanted Pam's opinion about putting Sheila in a nursing home. Mm. Why don't you just make her take her medicine? Yeah. Yeah. So at 10.30 p.m., farmhand Len Folks finished work and saw Neville still on the tractor. Uh, He was the last person to see the family alive. After that, no one knows what happened. It is surmised that Neville uh, walked the dogs and showered, then had a drink and a smoke before bed because that was his normal routine.
3: Yeah.
1: The dogs, Bruce and Crispy, were always on alert. For Crispy. Crispy, <laughs> who was apparently, a, like, a shit. So Yeah. Ouch. Um, both would go batshit crazy when visitors came by. The front door was deadbolted from the inside, and the back, da- back door to the yard was locked with a key on the inside. A side door <clears throat> had three separate locks, and the door by the dairy was locked and barricaded from the inside and out. <coughs> Excuse you me.
0: Need to take a sip? Yeah, fuck, man. I think I need to hit my vape, oh my too. God.
1: Somebody told me to make a t-shirt about your vape voice. <laughs> um, it's going to say, fuck you, Mark. <laughs> with your vape voice. So Neville was known to be a heavy sleeper and June was a light sleeper. Uh, She would often read the Bible that she kept at her bedside. She always kept her bedroom windows open and the bedroom door closed but unlocked. Mm -hmm. She would often wake up to noises and wake Neville to investigate. No one knows if the adults even went to sleep at all that night. Really, Uh, Colin would later say at 11 p.m. he became overwhelmed with fear for his children because the twins were at the farm. Uh, It passed quickly, but he later wondered if he was telepathically picking up on the time of their deaths. Mm. Spoiler alert. At 3.35 a.m., Sergeant Chris Buse, Constable Stephen Mile, and Robin Robin Saxby responded to White House Farm after receiving a call from Chelmsford. Uh, Mile was familiar with the area, so he drove. It was a 10-mile drive, and he drove quick, obviously. He ended up being cut off by a super slow vehicle. Yeah. At 3.48 a.m., they arrived on scene. They wondered where Jeremy was because they were told by the dispatcher that he would be meeting him there and that, you know, he only lived on the road. Yeah. Two minutes later, Jeremy pulled into the driveway, and the constables recognized the car as the slow-moving vehicle that had just cut them off. So you were in no fucking hurry whatsoever. Yeah. None. Okay. Not even a little bit. So he was dressed in a jacket, Two crew neck jumpers, which are sweatshirts, uh, over a shirt and trainers with jeans. Hmm. In my notes, I wrote, "It's fucking August." Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: Swamp. Well,
1: and while he was farming that day, he was wearing a pair of sh- pair of shorts and no shirt. So why all of a sudden are you?
0: Yeah. You know. That's a little suspicious.
1: So they all noted how calm and composed Jeremy was. He said approximately half an hour ago, Neville called him to say Sheila went berserk with a gun and then the phone went dead. He explained it as the phone being hung up. Mm. Uh, police wouldn't go in unarmed, obviously. Yeah. So they had to force Jeremy to walk the perimeter of the house with them. Constable Michael West started the event log. There were call logs, scene logs, dispatch logs, logs of wow. every sort. Okay. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Constable West attempted to call the farmhouse to see if anybody would answer. At 3.42 a.m., the operator confirmed that the phone was off the hook and there was an open line. So the line didn't go dead when he was on the phone with Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, at 3.56 a.m., the line was still open and the operator could hear a dog barking. Ooh. So the the phone was never hung up. Yeah. Uh, officers asked Jeremy if Sheila would go berserk. He said he didn't know, quote, she's a nutter, she's been having treatment, and called her a, quote, depressive psychopath. Nutter. Jeremy said Neville uh, would have called him instead of the police to keep the matters private. Um, he said he looked up the number, he had to look up the number in the phone book. <laughs> he looked it up instead of calling 999 because he didn't think it would make them get there any faster, saying, quote, I don't know how your system works. Okay. You don't know how lights and sirens work? Right. Yeah. Um, The sergeant was like, "Uh, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. So the lights were on in the kitchen, the bathroom, the twins' room, and the dogs were going batshit crazy. You know, all the cops are showing up now. Jeremy said that it was weird that Neville wasn't coming to see why the dogs were going nuts. Mm. Uh, When going back to the car, Jeremy and the officer thought they might have seen a shadow or something moving in the window. But after watching for a few minutes, uh, Sergeant Busey decided it was the light on the glass. Yeah. So at this point, they called for armed backup because you have to call a whole nother squad. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Douglas Adams and five officers on duty went to the home. Uh, Busey had Jeremy draw a floor plan and Jeremy told police Sheila could handle the gun that she would go target shooting with him and had fired every weapon in the house, which was not true. No. At all. At 4.22 a.m., four more officers arrived. Jeremy told them they always kept a loaded gun lying around uh, in case of a fox, which they didn't because the guy was just there checking and said he was meticulous. Jeremy then says, quote, oh, God, I hope she didn't do anything silly. Jeremy said uh, the rifle was still out, that he forgot to put it away. Now he remembers. And police are saying he's still at this point entirely too calm. Uh, he would later say that he didn't know what the situation was and thought that they would go in and resolve resolve the situation happily, which is why he wasn't upset. Firearms team with a canine uh, named Zeus arrived and they did a perimeter search for entry, and they were getting ready to start negotiations. Uh, they asked Jeremy if there was any starting point they could use with her. Yeah. He said um, she likes to be told she's pretty. <laughs> Yeah, true. Is that how you would start a negotiation? Hey, baby. Sir, I think you're pretty.
0: Hey, girl. I like your mouth. (laughs) My God.
1: So they attempted to make contact for two hours, probably telling her she was pretty. Jeremy told an officer that if anything happened to the family, he would sell the caravan business and buy a Porsche. Hmm. You're still, they're still inside. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's yeah, got a fucking catalog. He's thumbing through, yeah, you know, is. whatever. Um, <clears throat> so he also told police that Sheila had attempted suicide several times, which she had not. Uh, he wanted to call Julie and bring her to the scene. At 5:40 a.m., the operator listened to an open line and distinctly heard a slight moving sound. The line was monitored. The neighborhood was locked down, and the road was blocked. At 6:45 a.m., 10 more armed officers and two ambulances arrived, expecting Jesus. four murders and one suicide. That's what they thought they had, you know. Yeah. Jeremy repeatedly told the officers he taught Sheila how to use the 22 and had given her multiple lessons, which was not true. Uh, at 7:10 a.m., permission was granted to breach the house. At 7:30 a.m., they were preparing for a raid. At 7:34 a.m., there were five knocks on the door and the back door was breached. Um He's still talking about a Porsche Well, at this point. Well, you know. And um, they're radioing that they saw a body. Okay. So who they saw was Neville. Uh, he was hunched over in the kitchen in an impossible position is what they said. He was naked from uh, the knees. So like the waist to the knee. Like his pants weren't on all the way. His right foot was tangled in his pajama bottoms. There was a chair underneath him and blood pooled at the foot next to the trousers on the ground. It was clearly a violent struggle. Uh, He was shot six times or eight times, excuse me, six times to the head and the face, a few inches away from the skin, two to the body from two feet away. My Um, God. I don't know why I drew an arrow. Um. They then found a, um, a double-barreled shotgun and a box of ammunition in a cupboard and an old shotgun in the office. So, like, all of his guns were out, and mm-hmm. they shouldn't be. They never were.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, they found June collapsed by the master bedroom door. She had one gunshot wound between her eyes, and there was one casing in the carpet runner. The pillows on the bed had two bullets on them, um, and the bed was covered in blood. There was two casings by a sweatshirt in the doorway. Uh, they found June's dog, who they put in a closet. Ooh. But while they were putting him in the closet, they found Sheila. Oh,
0: geez.
1: She was laying supine on her back. She had two gunshot wounds to the throat, but there was a rifle laying on top of her, the barrel against her jaw, and her hand resting on the gun. Um, what Feet? I don't know what the fuck I wrote. Uh, there were blue socks that were bloody next to her, and her mom's Bible was on her shoulder. What there the was fuck? allegedly a note in the Bible. but Yeah. yeah. Um, four of those shots were at close range. One was from over two feet. They then went into the twins' room. Trigger uh, warning, by mm. the way. Daniel was curled up uh, on his left side in the bed with his thumb in his mouth facing the wall, and he was shot five times. Oh,
0: Jesus.
1: Um, the gunshot wounds to his head were barely visible because of how thick his hair was. Nicholas was on his back with three uh, gunshot wounds to his face, all contact or close proximity. Um, I promised you I hit the thing. Based on the shell casings in the scene, police determined that Neville had been shot four times upstairs and then managed to get downstairs, and there was another struggle downstairs. Yeah. So... um, The boys were pronounced uh, dead by the corner at eight forty a.m. June was pronounced at eight forty-five, and Sheila was pronounced at eight fifty. Um, so they they feel with Neville, the two wounds to the uh, right side, maybe he could have gone downstairs. Yeah. But then there were two to the top of his head. that would have resulted in unconsciousness. He had a left lip wound, a fractured jaw, damage to the teeth, neck, and larynx. Uh, The pathologist said, quote, he would not have been able to engage in purposeful talk. So how the fuck did he call Jeremy? Yeah. Um, He had gunshot wounds to the left shoulder and elbow. The... He had two black eyes, a broken nose, linear bruising to the cheek. So that's like, in, you know, in Tommy Boy, yeah. it hurts here, but not here. Yeah, that's, not so yeah. much
0: here, but uh, here.
1: He had lacerations to his head uh, and his right forearm and bruising what to the left fuck. wrist and forearm. So like he, somebody beat the fuck out of him. Yeah. Uh, the coroner said that, quote, linear marks consistent with Mr. Bamber having been struck with a long blunt object, possibly a gun. Mm. Uh, June was found in her nightdress. Police believe she had been sitting up for part of the attack. The gunshot wound between her eyes was fired from under a foot away. She also had a gunshot wound to the right side of her head, which were two fatal shots. And then she had a gunshot wound to the right lower neck, the right forearm, and two to the right chest and knee. So she was probably turned trying to, you know. Uh, Sheila had two gunshot wounds under her chin, one to the throat. Pathologist... Peter Vanices said that the lower gunshot wound uh, was from three inches away and the upper gunshot wound was a contact wound and would have killed her instantly. Jesus. So he also said that the bottom wound would have been fatal, but a lot slower. Mm -hmm. He believed that the bottom wound happened first. So like they're stacked on her throat. So like imagine one like right where your chin meets your neck and then one like right where your neck meets your bone, your sternum right there. Um, So he believed, um, you know, that if the bottom one would have killed her too, but he thinks that uh, the bottom one happened first due to the bleeding in the neck, that if the upper wound had happened first, the bleeding would not have been to the extent that it was. Mm. Uh, There were bloodstain patterns on her nightgown that suggest that she was sitting when she was shot. Yeah. The firearms officer who first saw Sheila noted that there were no marks on her body, suggestive of a struggle. Her feet and hands were clean, despite the mess in the kitchen. So how would she have shot Neville?
0: Mm-hmm. There
1: was sugar spilled everywhere in the kitchen. That's a big thing. Uh, her fingernails were manicured and not broken. Her fingertips were free of blood, dirt, and powder, and there was no trace of lead dust. Mm-hmm. The rifle would had to have been loaded at least twice and would most likely have left lubricant and material from the bullets on the hands. She had nothing on her hands. Postmortem testing showed low traces of lead on her hands and her forehead, but that was consistent with everyday handling of shit. You know, there was no gunshot residue on her nightgown. Police are still convinced it was a murder-suicide. So this resulted in a poorly conducted investigation. When Jeremy's cousins suggested uh, that Jeremy set the whole thing up, the detective chief inspector threw them out of his office. Wow. The scene was not secured or searched thoroughly. Evidence was not recorded or preserved. The bloody bedding and carpeting was burned to spare Jeremy's feelings. Sheila's hand at one point was moved to take crime scene photos, and the murder weapon was handled with bare hands.
0: I mean, it just sounds like these guys have never Mm -mm. handled And they just
1: assumed it was a murder-suicide. Right. Like, it kind of wrapped itself up in a nice little bow. Right. You know? So, three days after the murder, Jeremy was given the keys to the house. A silencer with blood specks was found in a cupboard on August 10th by a cousin who took it home with him. And then three days later, the police came to get it. Um, they swear up and down that they searched that cupboard and there was nothing in it. Um, the Bible that was sitting on Sheila's shoulder was not examined at all. Uh, officer wow. Officer reports of Jeremy's statements were not written for weeks and no notes were taken at the scene.
0: Oh, great job.
1: Yep, The adult bodies were released after a couple days and cremated. Jeremy's clothes were not examined for a month all blood samples were eventually destroyed.
0: Oh, my God. What is going yeah. on? Uh,
1: and Jeremy's behavior at the wake and funeral was questioned. Everybody grieves differently. We yeah. know that. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. blah. Um, <clears throat> not long after the funerals, Jeremy and Julie and his boyfriend, Brett, went to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. And bought a ship on a ton of pot. The travel agent said that they were in high spirits.
0: You think? <laughs> Because I got high, because I got high. <laughs> oh, my God, high. that's a song I Because I got high.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he also started selling off all of his family's belongings. Hello, Menendez brothers, yep. <laughs> which we will cover, by the way, yep. um, including the cars. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Dude, this is nuts.
1: So Jeremy gave a statement to the police the day after the murders. She said Jeremy called her at approximately 3 a.m. to 3.30 a.m. on the 7th and said, quote, there's something wrong at home. She was too tired to ask what was wrong. So she just hung up and went back to bed. That's like you. That 100% would be me. What do you want? Mm -hmm. Leave me alone. That's been me when you've had call-outs. I know. I'm stuck here.
0: Babe, I, I, gotta, I gotta go out. Just got called out. <laughs> oh my. In my
1: defense, when you were home, I would get up and make you a cup of coffee. I know. You and would. get your clothes out while you were Dude, in the shower. You,
0: you were so fucking great. Like on the call outs that you were up. Well, thank you. You'd hurry up, shower me up, and mm-hmm. make a get cup you out of the coffee. Door. Yeah, you were fucking great. I
1: even packed you and Lugo lunch when you had to go to Atlanta.
0: Yeah, you did.
1: <laughs> so, um,. She was too tired to ask what was wrong, so she just you know she was seen at the wake and funeral, comforting Jeremy. Um, but that, and him at the funeral, he was like, and then like the cameras would turn and he'd start <coughs> laughing. Yes, he was dude from intervention, a 100 percent. And there's, there's pictures from the funeral, and you can tell he's full of fucking shit, yeah. completely full of fucking shit. So now Julie's getting pissed. Uh, Jeremy seemed to want to break up with her. Mm -hmm. Um, They argued about his involvement with the murders. She told Jeremy he was a psychopath and tried to smother him with a pillow. Mm. On September 4th of 1985, during an argument, uh, a woman called Jeremy and it was clear that Jeremy had been seeing her. So she had perfect fucking timing. Uh, Julie smashed a mirror and then slapped Jeremy and he twisted her arm up her back. On September 7th, 1985... Julie Mugford pissed off, went to the police, changed her statement, and now said that Jeremy planned the entire murder of his family. Don't piss off the girlfriend. It's always the girlfriend. Always. Between July and October of 1984, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy would tell her he wished he could, quote, get rid of them all. He had an old father and a mad mother trying to, quote, ruin his life. He said Sheila had nothing to live for and the twins were disturbed. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He was pissed for his parents, at his parents, excuse me, for Sheila, you know, paying for everything. Uh, He discussed giving them sleeping pills, shooting them, or burning down the home. He would ride his bike through the back roads, go through a broken kitchen window, leave out a different window that would latch when shut from the outside. He would call the house from the farm, Quote, because the last phone call made would be recorded. Mm. Jeremy claimed to kill rats with bare hands to see if he was able to kill, and it taught him that he couldn't. Sissy. <laughs> August 6th, Jeremy called her at 9.50 p.m., quote, pissed off, and it was, quote, tonight or never. When Julie arrived at the crime scene, he pulled her aside and said, quote, I should have been an actor. When she asked him if he did it, he said he paid a friend 2,000 pounds to do it. On September 8th, 1985, Jeremy was arrested for the break-in and theft of the caravan site. Um, he told police that Julie was full of shit. She was with him when he fucking did it. Yeah. She was the lookout. So, right. um, On September 13th, 1985, he was released on bond. Shortly after that, Jeremy tried to sell his life story uh, to uh, a tabloid. Yeah. When they refused it, he tried to sell the nude pictures of his sister.
0: Oh, dude, what is wrong with you? For
1: 20,000 pounds.
0: What the fuck is wrong with you? So
1: the tabloid, bless their hearts, did a story about him being a fucking douche and trying to sell everything. Good. So he ended up breaking into the house to get paperwork later on and said that he left his keys in London when he Mm -hmm. was really trying to clean shit up. Uh, He then went to St. Tropez with Brett for holiday. On September 29th, 1985, Jeremy was arrested for the murders immediately upon returning to England. Wow. On October 3rd, 1986, the trial started before Mr. Justice Drake and a seven-man, five-woman jury at Chelmsford Crown Court. When the prosecution accused him of lying, Jeremy said that, uh, quote, that is what you have got to establish. The judge told the jury there were three crucial points. Did they believe Julie or Jeremy? Were they sure that Sheila was not the killer who had committed suicide? And did Neville call Jeremy in the middle of the night? Mm -hmm. If not, it undermined Jeremy's entire story because the only reason he would have had to make up the call was that he was responsible for the murder. At that time, the phone company did not track local calls. So there's no way to know if the phone call happened.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, on October 28th, 1986, after an 18-day trial and nine hours of deliberation, Jeremy was found guilty on all counts, with the majority being 10 to 2. Wow. He was given five life terms with a recommendation of a minimum of 25 years. The judge said, quote, Your conduct in planning and carrying out the killing of five members of your family was evil, almost beyond belief.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, in December of 1994, Home Secretary, so that's what they call their You know, Michael Howard said that Jeremy would remain in prison for the rest of his life. So they took away that 25 year.
0: Wow. Good. Um,
1: There are people who are convinced that he's innocent. Really? There are many campaigns and pages to free him. Um, He has appealed multiple times and lost Some of the things that have come out with the silencer uh, was that a majority of the blood was June's blood, but it couldn't completely rule out Sheila's. If the silencer was on the gun, she would not have been able to have shot herself. Yeah. So they claim that she sat down, she put the rifle between her knees and stuck the gun under her jaw and shot herself. But if the silencer was on there, she She couldn't do it. It was too big. So there's... Sheila's blood in the silencer. Yeah. So that, yeah. she couldn't obviously. I thought there was another page. Whew. So, obviously she uh couldn't have done it.
0: I mean, the, the investigation was complete crap, yep. but I, I I'm not feeling his innocence. I'm not either.
1: No. So. I'm not because here's the thing. Like when she went to the police, she had no idea what happened like yeah. what how people got in how they didn't get in and she told him verbatim what yeah. he was gonna do so right so that is the story of the White House for murders and he he's in fucking prison he's in his 50s now wow yeah and well, and I good. mean there's a lot of it's like a 50 50
0: split yeah well,
1: isn't that crazy
0: yeah I mean. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not feeling. There's no.
1: There's no like smoking gun that he didn't do it. There's no even real to me. There's There's nothing even even to prove reasonable doubt. Yeah. I I don't.
0: uh, Just the way things played out. Yeah.
1: I mean, if they can't, they can't rule out the fact that Sheila's blood was in the silencer. Yeah. Then you have to assume Sheila's blood was in the silencer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think there's reasonable doubt. I think he's. Yeah. Yeah. I think he thought he was smarter than everybody oh, else I, and he I, had the I, perfect I do too. fucking crime. Yeah. So. And if he would have kept his mouth shut. He would have. He, he would have. If he wouldn't have told her shit, yep. he would have gotten away with this because they. Definitely would have. They had nothing because they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. They didn't do an investigation.
0: Man. They gave
1: him the house back three days later. Yep.
0: So. Wow, that's, that's a crazy case. hmm That's crazy. Yep. That was a good one, babe.
1: I knew you were going to say London.
0: London.
1: So,
0: yep. Yeah, that was a good one.
1: There you go. All right,
0: guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yep. And Patreons, thank you again for signing up. And again, just a reminder, ads will be... Coming soon. Coming soon, so...
1: Sooner if, rather than later, like this week, probably.
0: Yeah. So if you're not a fan of ads, any one of our tiers, you know, they will be ad-free. Mm-hmm. Um, please check out our merchandise on our website, www.dduppodcast.com. <laughs> um, and I think that's about it.
1: Yep. You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, yep. Facebook, the whole
0: Kangaboodle. Yeah, if you want to start sending us, you know, we're coming low on our requests, so if yeah. you want to start doing that again.
1: I got a list, but yeah. And
0: please, I apologize, like, if some you don't hear, Jamie looks into every single one, but sometimes there's, there's just, just not, not enough, enough yeah. you know, to to make a case, so... If you don't hear it, we apologize, but still send it our way because Jamie will look look into it. There's a couple
1: cases that I wanted to do that I was pissed because I couldn't find enough. Yeah. Like I couldn't even make a mini episode.
0: Right. Right. So. All right, guys. Shoot them our way. Yep. Um, We will be coming back soon. Probably Sunday.
1: Next one is uh, Lululemon. Yep. Sunday. What day is it today?
0: Wednesday, I think.
1: Today's 13. Monday. Oh yeah. Today's Monday. <laughs> so I don't know, a couple days. It's my last week off, guys. Hopefully. Well. I know what you're on. It's okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But um
0: Yeah, so a couple days.
1: Yeah. It's it's not Wednesday. It's it's Monday. Yeah. Man, I thought it was Wednesday. <laughs> I'm all fucked
0: up. <laughs> Shit. Oh well. All right, guys, we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more,